Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And if you're a first-timer, welcome aboard. Well, I got to start off with a little bad news in this one. You vets of the show all know my co-host and friend, R.G. Seal. We go back to our days in high school, just longtime friends. Unfortunately, his schedule has ramped up quite a bit, so neither of us are sure if and when he's going to be back on. So much fun catching up with him every week because with our busy schedules, this was our chance really to shoot the breeze on our favorite teams or whatever else crossed our mind. I'm going to miss him. You guys, I'm sure, will miss him. And if you're a fan, just email us at info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Shoot him a note. You can always find the email in the description, and we always enjoy hearing from you. Make sure also that you didn't miss last podcast where House of Houston's Bryant Patterson joined me to look at the oh-so-sad ending to the Rocket season. That went up early Saturday. Now to what's on tap for this show. Since we started in 2013, we've had tons of incredible guests, including current former Rockets, Texans, and Astros. Two of those Astros made a little news this week. One of them for an historic pitching feat and one of them for less than historic pitching problems. Let's start off with the historic good stuff, though. On Tuesday, Mike Fiers became just the 35th pitcher in Major League Baseball history to pitch more than one no-hitter when he threw a second one with the A's. He did it! He did it! Mike Fiers for the second time in his career has thrown a no-hitter. Tonight he no-hits the Cincinnati Reds. Sensational performance by the A's right-hander Mike Fiers. Wow! Back in 2015, he became just the first Astro to throw a complete game no-hitter in 21 years. Remember, they had that combined no-hitter, so it wasn't a one-man complete game no-hitter. He's also the only one who's done it in the last quarter century. Fires is a hell of a story, and right after he threw his no-hitter here in Houston, I spoke with him about that story in the Astros' dugout. Here's a piece of our conversation, the beginning of it, Extremely apropos with today being Mother's Day. And he got it! A no-hitter for Mike Fires! Well, one of the things that you said, I remember in the postgame when you were talking to Julia Morales, you mentioned your mom, and I don't know if the Astros fans know, but your mom passed away a couple of years ago. She had a long bout with lupus. What were you thinking about as far as your mom that night, and did you feel like she was kind of with you a little bit? Yeah, I think she's with me all the time, and definitely with every start. You know, I can still feel that presence and, you know, because she was, you know, one of my biggest fans and if not more excited than I was whenever I was out there pitching. So I still feel that and still feel her with me and, and that, that keeps me going and, you know, along with a lot of other things. But it's just uh, one of those things that's, you know, that's, that was my mom and for a parent to pass away, you know, it's, it's tough stuff to go through. And I'm sure a lot of people have, have dealt with that, uh, lost loved ones in their lives and, you know, my mom was a big contributor in, uh, you know, my career and my life. So it's definitely something that I keep with me all the time. If I remember right, you have one tattoo, right? Yeah, one and only tattoo, and that's my mom. And she's on my right arm for a reason because, you know, I, I use that arm to pitch. And, you know, she's always with me, and I can see her. So it works out. You've been through so much. You, you had this car accident when you were in college. This might not have ever happened uh, after what happened with your car accident. 
Tell me a little bit about the story of the car accident. What, what happened to you? I fell asleep at the wheel, trying to tough it out on the road uh, late at night and ended up falling asleep. I hit the guardrail and blacked out, and I woke up outside in the guardrail. So I, I got ejected from my car. I was laying in the guardrail. I fractured four bones on my back, dislocated my left leg. I was in the hospital for about a day, and once I could actually, like, kind of move around you know I was out of there with a back brace and a, and a walker so it took a while to get back but it just gave me more motivation that you know this game can be taken away from you at any point and just to play hard and just give it all you can while while you can play and while your career is still going and um, that's what I did and I had to get back as soon as possible because that was my senior year so I, I only had one more year left to uh, play and I wanted to make the most of it and I wanted to play professional baseball so I was doing everything I can to uh, to get back and be as healthy as possible for you know a major league team to draft me in 2009. So I was able to do that, and Milwaukee drafted me in the 22nd round of 2009 at a Nova Southeastern, and it's just another stepping stone, another uh, bump in the road. But you know I was able to get over it. When you're throwing the no hitter, is all of that stuff kind of flashing back the the accident and and just the last few years? You went through a couple of different schools, I think, in college. It, it wasn't an easy road for you to get to Major League Baseball, and, he, and I believe you even had a pretty tough injury a couple of years ago um, when you were with the Brewers, right? I think a lot of people go through, you know, things in life or things in their baseball career where, you know, you got to push through it and you can't just give up, and it goes on with life, too. It doesn't have to be a, a sport. In this sport, you got a lot of uh, obstacles to overcome, and, and this, the game's not easy as it is, and then to deal with things off the field, to, to not let that affect what's going on on the field, it, it's tough, and this game is a lot, a lot mentally, but you know, physically draining as well. So you just got to stick with it and have a positive uh, mindset, and just really keep pushing. and And the things that help me keep pushing is the things that have happened in my life, and uh, people that have doubted me, and my friends that um, are still with me and that want want to see me su- succeed. And it's just a bunch of things that. Uh, I have in my mind and in and my body that I, I feel that it keeps pushing me and keeps uh, me in this game and excited to play and just grateful to play this game because I wasn't that high draft pick and I had one year to prove myself and that was my senior year so I was able to get an opportunity to play and I just don't want to let that let that go and let that uh, just fade away you know because. I can still think about the times where I was in college and not even looked at by a scout. So to have that feeling and know that I'm in a great situation and great opportunities to uh, succeed, and that's what keeps pushing me. You mentioned Nova Southeastern earlier. That's where you went to school, and one of your teammates was J.D. Martinez, who played for the Astros. You guys are are pretty close, aren't you? Yeah, J.D.'s a great guy, and he's still learning and still trying to get better, and uh, he's having a great year this year, and... Uh, great teammate. You know, when I played with him at Nova, uh, it was a great time, and I think we pushed each other to, you know, do well and to get drafted. And I think he helped me out because once I went there, there was a lot of scouts, you know, scouting him. So they were there and they saw me. So I think he had part of my success too because you know there's a lot of things that that can happen, and for the scouts to be there and and see me pitch while you know they're waiting for him to hit, so it kind of helped me out. But uh, I mean, a great guy. Wish I could uh, play with him again at some point, but as of right now, just uh, trying to beat him now that he's on the Tigers. <laughs> as he explained to you what happened between Houston and Detroit, because a lot of the Astros fans have said, hey, we, we wanted that J.D. Martinez. Has he, have you, has he talked to you about that? Yeah, I mean, that's just that's baseball, though. I mean, he's, he's still learning, and 
he was young at that time when he was with the Astros. And like I said, I mean, he, he's a guy that's always working on his, his, his game. And he's been progressing every year. And, you know, too bad the Astros, you know, had to let him go. And, you know, he had to go somewhere else and try to, you know, make a career. But what happens in this game? There's a lot of moves that happen throughout a year. You're never promised, uh, you know, a spot somewhere. Like, anything can happen. You know, people can get, you know, traded, released, whatever it is. But so you just got to enjoy the time while you're here. And the fans just have to understand that it's a fun game, but it's also a business, too. Former Astro Mike Fires with a very practical view of the J.D. Martinez renaissance after he left Houston. It's good to be practical. We weren't very happy with what happened to him after he left. Crazy to think, by the way, that Mike Fires has two no-hitters. His lifetime ERA, 4.11. He's one game under 500 over the course of his career. And Fires didn't do it with a bunch of strikeouts. He had six, just six, in this last one with the A's, 10 and the one that he threw with the Astros. Now, like I said earlier, Fires had a historic feat this week. Meanwhile, Colin McHugh continued his really poor pitching, which finally forced him to the bullpen. That allowed Corbin Martin to get called up and take his spot in the rotation. McHugh's ERA over the last four games, 6.37 with eight home runs allowed. He's back in the bullpen, though, where he excelled last year. Overall, McHugh's renaissance with the Astros since they acquired him five years ago, just extraordinary. His ERA, his first two years in the bigs, was about nine, if you remember that. Now, it's down to four. I caught up with him the year after he was dealt to Houston. We hit on much more than baseball because, of course, Colin, boy, he's an extremely bright guy, fascinating to talk to. Let's pick up that conversation. You get claimed off of waivers. You know, you had had a couple of stints in the major leagues, and the numbers weren't that great. You're coming to Houston. It's had a historically bad three-year run, one of the worst in the history of baseball. Give me your thoughts as you came here and what you were thinking about when all this was going on. Well, having come from where I came from and, and the numbers that I had put up, they were not good. Like you said, they were, they were really not good. So coming to a place like Houston, who was in, in the process of rebuilding, um, where there was opportunity in the rotation, I looked at it immediately as like a blessing in disguise, maybe. Just to be able to come here and throw the ball, throw the ball well, and and know that you're gonna get the ball every five days was uh, was huge, and something that I didn't I didn't really have before in the other two teams that I played for. And so, to be able to kind of take that and run with it was uh, was really special. You strike me as somebody that's probably thought about what you what you would be doing if you weren't playing baseball. And when your career ends, what have you thought about as far as you know what you might have been doing if you weren't playing baseball, and maybe what you you're thinking about doing when your career is over with? Well, I went to school for uh, international business and finance, so I don't know what I would be doing with that. Probably working in some bank, working at a you know nine to five desk job. Um, I'd probably enjoy it. I, I I enjoyed school. I thought I thought I. Uh, I thought I was going to have to do that. I never thought baseball would be an, uh, an option for me. So, But if I wasn't doing that, I really love writing. It's always been a passion of mine. So in some sort of capacity, writing is, is fun, whether it's a novel or a column or just a blog or whatever online. Baseball's going to be over one of these days, so I'll have to figure it out sooner uh, Hopefully later rather than sooner. It's funny you should mention that because I wanted to ask you about it. You have the blog, and one of the your recent blogs was about what to do with the uh, eight and a half minutes of save time with the uh, sped up game. And what was your favorite of those uh, ideas that you had? Of kind of things you can do to, with your extra eight and a half minutes of time that you got. So I don't um, I don't play 
Clash of Clans. Uh, it's a uh, it's an app, or I guess a game that you can play on your phone and iPad and stuff. But one of my buddies is a big Clash of Clans guy. I think Nishak and maybe a couple guys aren't here. I was asking them kind of what what would be some good ideas, and he said you could upgrade one one eighty seventh of your Archer Tower. So I thought that was. I didn't understand what that meant, but once I looked into it a little bit, I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, eight and a half minutes is not a ton, not a ton of time. But for us watching the game, it uh, it seems to pick up the pace just a little bit. So yeah. One of my favorite things that you wrote about in your blog was you talked about what you would tell your younger self if you were to do it all over again, and you wrote about the fact that you had a condo with five roommates <laughs> and you said you'd, you would never do that again. What's the best story that, that comes out of that? What, what do you think of, uh, I mean, there's gotta be a lot of crazy ones that we could, we could put on the air, I guess. So we were, um, yeah, we're in Port St. Lucie, Florida. There was five roommates, one wife, one girlfriend, a dog. Um, and then next door, there were three other, three more roommates or three more guys who lived in the adjoining apartment next door. None of us had any money because we were in, in the minor leagues, and so we all would just cut each other's hair. None of us knew what we were doing, but we figured it's better than the 15, 20 bucks you're going to spend on a haircut. So we would all go out on the on the patio next to the next to the little lake behind us and take turns cutting each other's hair, see which one looks worse, and cut mohawks and do all these things until we realized you probably you know we're probably just going to shave it off so <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun i remember having a good time doing that you described pitching as a as an art you kind of think of yourself as an artist can you describe what about pitching do you think makes it an art form i wouldn't say i consider myself an artist first and foremost my wife is an artist she's she's talented she's studied it she knows art she is a graphic designer and a printmaker and She's an artist. I'm a, I'm a baseball player. But there are a lot of things about art that tend to cross over um, in baseball. I think just the idea of knowing what you're going to get when you reach down and, and use the tool that's in front of you. With art, it's easy because you see it. You see the color that you're supposed to get. You put the color on a canvas. And with, with baseball, especially with pitching, you don't always know exactly what you're going to get when you go out there. You might throw a great pregame bullpen and go out on the mound and it's you know, your fastball looks different or your curveball looks different. It doesn't have the same bite. Maybe it has a little bit more life to it. So for me, the, the consistency of knowing when you go out there to the mound, when you, a batter steps in the box, knowing what you're going to get when you pull out a fastball, when you pull out a curveball, when you pull out a changeup, and being able to kind of liken that to the idea of an artist putting stuff on a canvas, it made sense to me in my head. So uh, me and my wife had talked about that a, a long time ago, and it's always something that's kind of stuck with me. If it was an art and you're watching pictures today, which guys are the Van Goghs and the Picassos, the guys that you like to watch out on the mound? There's a lot. I think the game's turning into into more of a pitching game right now. It goes in waves for sure, but the last few years we've seen some unbelievable performances. You know, We've seen two, two MVPs um, in the last five years from pitchers, Verlander and, and Kershaw. We've seen Bumgarner be relatively unhittable in the playoffs, and then we've seen just consistent performances from guys uh, You know, year after year after year. It's tough. I don't know. If, I don't know if we're ever going to see another 300-game winner because um, just of the way the game's changed and the depth of bullpens and stuff like that. But in my lifetime, I don't know if I've ever seen as many good pitchers in the big leagues at one time uh, throwing as well as they are. So for me, it's fun to watch whoever we're throwing out there, whether it's Dallas like he was last night or a guy going for them on any day. It's fun to go out and watch what guys are doing, what guys are capable of doing these days, and, and try and take your cues from that and, and get better. From what I understand, you're pretty consistent reader you you like to get in maybe a book per month what's been your favorite book or two that uh you've read over the last uh, few months so in spring training i finished uh 
finished John Adams, his biography by David McCullough. He's a great writer, a great history writer. Makes makes it uh, fun, makes it kind of lively and interacting. It was a long read for me because it's a long book, but I really enjoyed every second of it. I wanted to read that before I went and watched the miniseries you know, that HBO did that it was based off of. So I, I really I enjoy history. I like the, the American Revolution is uh, really exciting and, and interesting to me. So um, that was probably my favorite book so far, but I've gotten into a little bit of Kurt Vonnegut, which is a very different <laughs> very different avenue as far as reading goes. But um, yeah, just try to expand my horizons and read a little bit of everything. You have a lot of different interests. I know you'd like to travel. You like to... Uh... You like music. You play several instruments. Uh, what, where does that come from? Because I, from what I understand, your, your sister, she's in Nashville. She's a country music writer, and your family is all very much involved with the arts. How does that all come about in your family? Uh, my grandmother was a gospel singer in Georgia for years and years, coming up through the 40s, 50s, 60s. And, yeah, my, my brother and sister are both singer-songwriters in Nashville. My little brother just graduated from film school, and, and I'm kind of the dumb jock who plays baseball. But we kind of all just grew up appreciating the arts in, in whatever form it was. I, you know, I grew up playing instruments, whether it was I played clarinet growing up and then kind of evolved into guitar and saxophone and drums and stuff like that. And I don't know, it's uh, it's something that we've always enjoyed as a family, something that we've always appreciated. Our parents were just very encouraging about uh, exploring that, you know, wherever, wherever that took us. Are there Astros that you can jam with? Is there guys around here that uh, you play you play your instruments with? Fields can play guitar. Um, we've, got, we've got a couple guys who can uh, who can pick it a little bit. So uh, we're going to have to bring, bring some guitars on the road and see what we can do. I understand you also like to travel, and you've been to Europe several times. Is there a place in Europe that's your favorite place or a place that you would even think about moving to later on in your life? I don't know about moving. Living there for a little bit maybe, but uh, I think this last time we went, Copenhagen was really it was one of my favorite cities. Denmark's just Denmark's really beautiful. You know, we went in, in November, so it was, it was a little chilly, but it was a very clean city, very design-forward city. The people are all were just really beautiful people, and... Uh, I had a really good time there. It's just uh, it's one of those places that not many people tend to travel to when they're going to Europe. You know, you hit the major spots, you hit the Paris and the Barcelona and London, and but the northern kind of the northern rim up there with southern Sweden and Denmark, and it was a lot of fun. We had a really really good time. That's Colin McHugh, one of the more eclectic pitchers who's ever donned an Astros uniform. Hope you enjoyed a couple of my favorite conversations from the Houston Sports Talk Vault. I've got an Astros guest coming up on the show later this week, so we'll discuss what's going on here and now for this team and in their future, and that's kind of a hint as to who the guest is going to be. Plus, I'll bring in someone who's got to know and cover Texans second-round pick, Lonnie Johnson Jr. You'll find out why he's such a great story and why he succeeded against some massive odds. Might give you a little bit of hope for Brian Gaines' first-ever second-round pick. Thanks for joining us for this one. Give us a positive review on iTunes if you're so inclined, and we'll talk to you again soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey there, listener. Are you a fan of Houston Cougar Athletics? Well, Sam and I have got the perfect podcast for you. It's the Scott and Holman Podcast. Yeah, we're talking all things Houston Cougars, in-season, off-season, recruiting, on-field results. If it's Houston Cougars, we're talking about it. So search Scott and Holman Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.